1: Preview show.
0: Hello, welcome to the 1874 match preview show. It's Nottingham Forest against Aston Villa on Sunday, and myself, Dan Bardell, and Dave Reed are here to preview said game. Apologies for being late. It was actually my fault because I was stuck on a phone call that I couldn't get out of, and then Dave and I have just done half a show to absolutely nobody because our software works so well. So we were. told we were live we were doing the show and we weren't live which was which was brilliant I felt a little bit like Ron and doing that I don't believe you but I'm not I should I should say though Dave I shouldn't be apologizing for, for being late because I am wearing Tim Sherwood jumper and I do feel a sense of power when I wear this jumper I feel like I walk with an extra spring in my step mm. I've got a, a bit more confidence I just just found it in the drawer forgot forgot I even had it and
1: was like oh brilliant I'll I'll put this on did you write the Tim Sherwood apparel I feel like that's coming through on the screen as well. You know, you've got your chest puffed out, Mm. standing, you know, sitting a little bit taller in your seat. I can feel that. I I can feel it, yeah.
0: Yeah, Dan Bardell's not in a hole. Aston Villa are in a hole. That's the kind of thing Tim Sherwood would say. Absolutely loved Tim. But by, by the way. Not the best manager in the world, but that time was always very, very entertaining, <laughs> wasn't, it? wasn't it, Dave? But brighter times for Villa than when Tim Sherwood were there because Villa are in the midst of an excellent run and go to the city ground on Sunday with every chance of taking three points, Dave. And kind of, it's weird at the moment because we're actually closer to going up to first than we are to falling down to sixth even though we're fifth. So that's a, that's a great place to be at.
1: Yeah, the table looks amazing right now, doesn't it? And I think off Let's the back of last up. week. Let's get it up. Let's get the table up, Dave. Do you know what? Let's see it, shall we, in all its glory. Come on, Lee. All the prep that's gone into it. Look how good that looks, by the way. It looks great, doesn't it? And over, you know, not I quite a third of the way through, over a quarter of the way through the season now. Um, and things have just started magnificently well and even you know last weekend against Luton we didn't really get out of second or third gear really it felt like it was a very comfortable afternoon's work for for villa uh, last sunday and the table looks great and you know manchester united not doing particularly well above brighton you know i'm sure newcastle will continue to push for those positions and we've put ourselves in a in a great space right now in terms of the fixtures that we've got coming up as well you'd think that we're going to be in the mix towards the end of November, start of December, and then you know we'll have play- more players coming back from injury, and we're set up for the rest of the season, really. Yeah, you, you know, with Newcastle
0: playing Arsenal this weekend, if we can beat Forest and Newcastle drop points, there is a chance to make that buffer even greater. So it is a it is a big opportunity going into Sunday. Because, like you say, Manchester United and Chelsea are a, li- a little bit in in the wilderness. I'd back us to finish ahead of them at the moment. So. Creating a gap between between us and Newcastle would be pretty tasty because Tottenham are going really well. I've I've been saying most of the season that I think the top three will be Manchester City, Arsenal, and Liverpool. In what order? I don't know. Tottenham have surprised me with how good they've been. They've got off to a, an exceptional start to life under Pasta Coglu, and he deserves all the credit in the world because to turn them around to what they've been is, is is absolutely incredible. And then we're probably the well we are the next best team because because we're fit. So if we could create that gap between us and Newcastle. Newcastle has got a few injuries at the moment. We've had injuries all season, but Newcastle, the injuries are starting to pile up. They smashed Manu in the week in the Carabao Cup, but they've played about five left-backs in that game. <laughs> so if we can create a little buffer between between us and them, that's going to be really, really crucial. And like you said, the, the fixtures aren't bad for us. And then we've got to play Spurs as well, which is a game I'm really, really excited about.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot of vibes at Tottenham right now. And I'm just going to reserve judgment everybody's kind of jumping on the Ange bandwagon and yeah he's you know he's a good manager and a great coach I'm just kind of waiting for that sticky moment for Spurs because it will come and then it's about how they cope with that and how they rotate their team so yeah I'm not I'm not fully uh I'm not fully kind of on on the Ange bandwagon like everybody yeah. else seems to be at the moment I'm just just reserving judgment I think a lot of vibes a lot of positive vibes and I'm just waiting for that sticky sticky patch to come for Spurs
0: yeah, you know they've played, they have played some good teams. In in fairness, they they drew with Arsenal, didn't they? They, they beat Liverpool, albeit fortuitously, really, with a, a terrible offside decision and a, and a late own goal. But they they're going to have some tougher games to come, in, including us. So, I mean, we're on a we are on a pretty nice run of fixtures at the moment. Home form absolutely incredible and unbelievable. Away form not quite. as as good? What have Villa got to do to go to the city ground and get three points on Sunday? Forest aren't in the best of form themselves, actually.
1: No, they're not. Um, It's interesting. I mean, you compare going to Nottingham Forest this time around to going to Nottingham Forest last time around, and it was just (laughs) chalk and cheese, um, total mess, didn't really know, looked like we were going to score and eventually did through a kind of long-range effort. And it was just a bit of a shocking night all round. And now you go to Nottingham Forest this season and it's a completely different story. I think, weirdly, I mean, Steve Cooper seems to go through a month where he's kind of not under pressure and then a month where he's he's under pressure. And we go into Forest this time around in a period where things are turning a little bit against him. They spent again in the summer. They're on a, a kind of, a, I think it's maybe... I think I maybe read six games without a win, but I'm I'm happy to be corrected on that. But they're they're not playing particularly well. They had home games. You think of the Luton at home game. And I think uh, they played Burnley and Brentford as well. And the, the supporters, I think, not running out of patience, but I think they expect a little bit more from their team, I think, this season. And... It's a team that's gone through different kind of stages. Last season when they came up, obviously Steve Cooper did an amazing job to even get them up in the first place. And then last season when they came up, they, they tried to start the season the way they played in the championship. Quickly realised that that wasn't going to be able to be sustainable. And then they changed and played a little bit deeper and results eventually started to turn. And then again, he tried to make them a little bit more expansive. They had a few injuries and again, that didn't work. And then right at the end of the season, they had to revert back to kind of defensive first football but it was their home form that really enabled them to stay up last season which is why despite them being in a bit of rocky form it's very hard to go there their crowd when it's on form is absolutely fantastic and they can the the crowd can get them over the line and i think that's kind of what's been lacking so far in their home games this season Perhaps the crowd have gone into this year expecting a little bit more and the team haven't quite delivered yet. And they've got a a ridiculous list of injuries again. But I do think if we can quieten the crowd, I think that would put more pressure on the players. And I think if we can start the game well, restrict them, create a few chances, maybe score early. I think there's a possibility that, again, the crowd might fall away from the players a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think you've summed, summed up a few things really, really, really nicely there. I think I follow a few Forest pages because I've done, done some work at Forest for Sky and they're saying that City Ground isn't the place it was to go at the end of last season when teams would fear going there. The atmosphere isn't the same. I mean, me personally, I don't think Steve Cooper should really be un- under any pressure. The job he did to keep them up last season with 100 new players coming through the door is is absolutely incredible and... They st- actually started the season pretty well. I was watching them and thinking they're a, that they're a good outfit. They're, I felt they responded well to Brendan Johnson leaving as, as well. I've seen Hudson-Odoi have good games. I've seen Alanga look lively in a few a few games as well. They've just kind of lost their way in the last few weeks. But I do think much of that is to do with the one being injured. Because, you know, he was on an incredible run of goal-scoring form at the back end of last season and the start of this season. So they've kind of lost their focal point And we've in with Villa previously. If you have a game like that Luton game where you're 2 nil up and you chuck it away, I remember Villa against Stoke in the year we were fighting for the Champions League under Martin O'Neill. That game really set us back. A few years ago, we were 2 nil up against Wolves and we lost 3-2 and we conspired to, to lose five games in a row. Now, that kind of result can really haunt players for a few weeks and can, can knock confidence. Now, obviously, I want Villa to come back come and uh, and take full advantage of that because I don't think Forrest have been the same in the lead-up to that and probably, probably after. But at some point, I do think it will turn for Nottingham Forest because I think they've got some got some good players, and I do think Steve Cooper is a really, really good manager.
1: Yeah, I agree. And we talk about the you know the hundred players coming in last summer. I think there were they signed some like thirteen players again in the summer. Yeah, too much ag- again. And again, they're trying to kind of upgrade themselves this year, so they're not. So they're trying to avoid being a bottom six club. Really, they're trying to take that next step to becoming a kind of mid-table, safe mid-table team, and they have bought. Seemingly quite well. I like Murillo at centre-back. He seems to have settled in well and he's good on the ball and he's something that we'll have to be careful of on Sunday. I really like Sangare as well. I think he is a top quality player. Been on the radar of Champions League clubs over the last couple of years. It's Forrest who've managed to get him in, but I think he's taking time to to settle in and, and kind of really adjust to the Premier League. Dominguez in midfield, they got him from Bologna. I think he's settled in really well. I think he's probably been the most impressive of Forest's summer signings. And then in the four positions, Callum Hudson-Odoi started the season well. But again, he's kind of struggled with injury a little bit. Um, And like you say, a one-year has been a real miss for them. He came back against Liverpool. I think he played the last 20 minutes or so. I think if he's fit, he starts. They lost Chris Wood really late towards the build-up of that Liverpool game, which meant essentially they didn't really have any strikers. They had to revert to five at the back and Alanga played most of the game up front. And then they looked a little bit better when Awunye came on because he's a bit of a focal point for them. It enabled Alanga to kind of revert to his preferred position out wide. So they did look better, but then the game was gone really by that point um, against Liverpool. So... I think he will make a difference for them because I think he will start. And I think that will be a big lift, not just for the team, but for the crowd as well when they see a you, one-year in the starting eleven. So having him back, I don't think Morgan Gibbs White has quite hit the heights that he he's shown flashes. I think he's he's I really like him. I think he's a top quality oh, player, has been a bit streaky, and I think he will eventually uh hit the heights that we, I think he's capable of. I'm sure a lot of people think he's capable of, of as well. But maybe he's kind of suffering a little bit with the absence of Brennan Johnson, just trying to find who we can dovetail with a little bit more. You know, he, he formed a great partnership with Brennan Johnson last year. He's now gone. So maybe he's just trying to find his feet in that front, who he can kind of pair up with this, this year. So they've got some dangerous players, Nottingham Forest. And I think, again, it's one of those teams that I think will probably, from their point of view anyway, they'll hope that they can get better as the season goes on and, You hope for Steve Cooper because I agree he's a great head coach that he's able to manage to turn their form around. Not sure
0: everyone can hear me, because I'm getting some strange messages on my screen saying that my bandwidth is low. So, Dave Ray, can you give me a nod if you, if you can hear me, just so, so I don't.
1: Loud and clear, loud and
0: clear. You've got me, that's good. Let me know in the chat if there's any problems with my stream. The messages seem to have disappeared now. There seem to be a brief interruption for, for me there. Interesting what you said about, about Gibbs White, because I, actually, I really, really like him. I think, again, you've hit the nail on the head with, with what you're saying. I think him and Brendan Johnson last season, they kind of carried Forrest on their back. They took the pressure as young players. I think they really took the pressure of that relegation battle, and they they came through. And they, they you know they, they weren't the reason they stayed up, but they were a massive contributing factor into why Forrest stayed up. And then they had a one year who was in the goals as well, which ultimately did did keep them. I, I think you're right. I think no disrespect to Chris Wood, because he's been a, a good Premier League player over the, over the years, but he's not the type of striker that I think suits. Gibbs-White's game to, to link up with. So he's lost Brendan Johnson, who I think is an exceptional player. I really like Brendan Johnson. Absolutely rapid and a, a decent finisher as well. So I think at the moment, the, Cooper probably hasn't got the parts around Gibbs-White yet, which is, again, he's, he's having to build new players in. But I think when Alanga gets up to speed, I think hudson Adoy gets up to, up to speed. You know, he's saying about the injuries, I can't even remember who's injured at the moment. There's so many players injured for Forrest, as, as always. Maybe a criticism of Forrest. You've mentioned Murillo, who they've brought in. They are still pretty reliant on the back on players that you know got them promoted in in the Championship. They've had a high turnover of players in midfield and attack, and even goalkeeping. They've had loads of goalkeepers over the last over the last few years since they've been back in the Premier League. But that defence has largely remained unchanged. Right? Maybe they haven't bought enough Premier League quality at the back.
1: Yeah, potentially. I mean, they, Marilla, I think is the one that's that settled in quite well. That he's kind of been partnering. Willie Bolle or uh, Nia Carte when they've when they've played three, Um, but I mean Joe Warrell is still there. I think he's maybe had injury injury issues as well. Yeah, McKenna as well. Um, But I think you know they've again they've tried to or or the signing of Murillo means that they're having to again alter their style. We, We talk about Brennan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs White. They thrived at the tail end of last season playing on the counter attack because they've got great pace and they've got the ability to beat a man 1v1 which enables them to to get in behind. And I think the signing of Murillo, the signing of Sangari, signals a kind of change to a more possession-based game. Now, whether they're going to have to adjust again mid-season like they did last year, we'll wait to find out. But Murillo's one where <coughs> when he gets the ball, he will try and carry it through midfield. So that'll be a question mark for, for Villa at the weekend. Do they... Uh, does Oli Watkins follow him? Does Musa Diaby follow him in, or is it down to one of the midfielders to to step in and and close him down? Because I think he will like to carry the ball forward. So that you know, the upside of that is that he creates an extra man in midfield when he comes forward. But obviously, the downside is if we're able to get around him and take the ball off him, uh, we can which can we can cause mistakes, which is something that has happened already this season for him. So. You know, there's upside and a downside, really, for, for Murillo's game. But I think, you know, they've kind of alternated between. I think Ola Aina started last week at left back and Toffolo's played. Serge so Aurier's mm. played at right back. They've got Nico Williams as well. You think but perhaps defensively that might be their weakest area of the pitch because when you look at the three in midfield, Sangari, Mangala, Dominguez, they're actually pretty solid in that midfield. And I know Sangari's Forest fans might say, well, he's not quite settled as as quickly as he, as, he, as he should have done. But these things take time as we, we're finding out with with some of Villa's new, new players as well. So I think defensively, you might think that... I think in January, they are going to look for another centre-back to partner Murillo. I think that is an area that they are going to be looking to, to strengthen in, in the January transfer window. And the other question mark that Forrest have got right now is is the goalkeeper situation. I was going because... to ask you
0: that. I'm not convinced by Turner at all. No,
1: no I mean, he's, he had, uh, I think it was Brentford game, not uh, Nottingham Forrest against Brentford, where there were a couple of questionable moments. And then the decision, well, the, 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 the the shocking decision against Liverpool, which, which caused a, a goal. And they they did get a goalkeeper in the summer, another goalkeeper in yeah. Odysseus Vlachodimos or Vlachodimos, but um, he and and he's got Champions League experience, so he's not been bought to sit on the bench essentially.
0: So he might play. I think he might play on
1: Sunday. It's a big call. It's a big call for Steve Cooper because you think about the damage potentially that might do to Matt coming into the team and then then dropping out. So it's a big call whether they change the goalkeeper this weekend.
0: I think they might I think every time I've watched Forrest, I've probably watched four maybe games 90 minutes this season and even if he hasn't been punished Turner's done something silly in every one of those games that that, that I've watched he he looks like he, he's suffering a little a little, little bit to me a bit of a bit of a lack of confidence or maybe been asked to do things that he's not not quite comfortable with and the other goalkeeper has got that pedigree and I do think he was he was brought in to be number 1 I think they've just been waiting for kind of a time to, to bring him in. And I've got a feeling that that mistake against Liverpool may be one mistake too many for Turner, that they may change the goalkeeper. I think this game might be a little bit like the Wolves away game. I don't think there'll be loads of goals in it. I think it'll be, it'll be relatively tight. But I think the difference is now in that Wolves game, Villa had two players that played that day who weren't fully fit, Kamara and Diaby. Uh, Diaby, DRB, every time he sprinted, was holding his back. You know, as far as we know, those players are a fit for this one. So I I make Villa favourites to win, but I don't think it'll be a a stroll in the park.
1: Yeah, I make Villa favourites to win. I think the the question mark I have is around the defensive selections, Um, just because he's kind of tended to favour the three of Torres, Carlos and Konza away from home. I just wonder whether he'll, he'll go for that again away from home. What do you think?
0: Not sure. Not sure against Forest whether he'll feel the, the the need to. I think against Wolves with the the extra height, you know, they're a pretty physical team with, with with Dawson and whatnot. Maybe that was the reason he did it. And I thought Carlos was Villa's best player actually that day a, a, against Wolves. I was I was at that game, but not sure. I think the uh, I think there's ten that are picked for, for this game. It is that it is that last space. but I actually think that last space could quite quite easily be a toss up between Zaniolo, Bailey, or stupidly it sounds Carlos. Like for like any three of those could end up plaking that, that 11th place but I think the 10 is is kind of set, set in stone you, is, it, it, is, is it necessary to do that against Nottingham Forest the, the, what we did against Wolves that would be that would be my query do you, do you think it is necessary oh, Bailey couldn't have done much else to, to try and get in the team in recent weeks in, in fairness to him but then also sometimes it, when you've got that 12th man coming on and it's working well you kind of want him to stay as that 12th man, man because it's working
1: mm. yeah the- I guess there's no doubt There's no doubt that Leon Bailey is playing very well at the moment. I think, bizarrely, I think the issue that he's got is not so much his form, but it's the form of, of other players around him. Because when Bailey plays, he'll come on or he'll start. And for me, and maybe Unai Emery as well, his best position is high and wide on the right-hand side. So when he plays high and wide on the right-hand side, it means... John McGinn has to switch position over to the Mm. left. Is that his best position? And when Bailey plays high and wide on the right, that means that Matty Cash has to play low as the right back, and then he has to pick and choose his moments to go forward. And the way he's kind of got around that, Unai is playing Kamara in build-up as the right-sided centre-back and enabling Matty Cash to fly and and getting the best out of him attacking-wise. So, I think there's no doubt that Bailey's playing really well at the moment. But when he plays in his best position, it means that other players have to kind of switch up their role. And then are you getting the best out of those players as well? So it's an in, it's an interesting decision that he's got to make and a difficult one because, I mean, for me, Matty Cash it feels like he does an equally as good a job picking and choosing when to go forward if he's playing low as when he's playing high. But then switching McGinn over to the left-hand side, is that is that his best position? Is he getting... Are we getting the most out of him in, in that position? And then, you know, the the alternative position for Bailey is playing as that second striker. But you're not going to drop no. Moussa Diaby, so it's it, it's tough for him unless he comes in on the left hand side. And again, is that is that his best position?
0: He has had some good games on the left. In fairness, Bailey he played on the left in in Europe a few weeks ago at, at home and was pr- pr- pretty effective in the in the second half. And I remember him having a game against Brentford under Danks and Cutler, playing on the left where he was he, he was pretty good as well. It was it's interesting, isn't it? I'm just thinking out loud now, but look, Bailey isn't really an away player, is he's, he's Better always been better at, at Villa Park. Maybe this isn't the game to to put him in. And I was just thinking about: Do you need Carlos in this game? Well, Forrest have been playing with Chris Wood up front, so maybe we do need Carlos. For, for, for this game because he is the more physical of the centre-halves that we have at our, our disposal and maybe it is a, a chance to move cash forward and play cash in that, that right-hand side role. Again, and just be a little bit more adept on the break, although you've spoke about Forest changing their, their playing style. They do still have some handy players on, on, on the break. So, look, Emery will do what, what he does and whatever he does will be right because it's Unai Emery and we, we have no right to question him what, whatsoever. But that is really the only space that's up for debate, isn't it, at the moment, with the players that we've got out injured. There's nothing out that, that's going to change.
1: No, and that, you know, in some ways, that's a great thing because that's brilliant. We've we've obviously got injuries at the moment, so it might, you know, Unai Emery's job might be a little bit more difficult if there were players not performing and he was having to rotate to try and find that formula. And we're missing obviously starters who are who are injured, but the fact that everybody is performing at such a high level, you know, it makes Unai Emery's job so much. Easier. And the fact that when he does make changes, you know, when we've seen in Europe when he's made changes, the players coming in are able to carry out the jobs that he wants them to do. And it, it, you know, it's almost seamless when players are coming in and out of the side. Everybody knows their job, which is such an amazing position to be in and such a positive going forward. So it's it's such a good thing that we're you know, we're only quibbling over one position and it's essentially a 50-50 toss-up as to who starts. And it's a it's a kind of horses for courses thing now. When you look at individual battles. You know, Unai Emery will be picking the players that he thinks can win that individual battle in that certain scenario. So, it's it's a great position. And as you say, every decision that Unai Emery makes, you have to back right now.
0: Yeah, we've got some some stuff in the in the chat. John says Villa need to win these games to be contenders. If Newcastle beat Arsenal and we win, it's top four for Villa. Seventy-eight Numnut says, as fans, we have to remember where we have gone from. Where we have, I think he meant to say, come from the previous draft performance, lack of goals, and appreciate what we have at the moment. It's glorious. Paul Ennigard is predicting Villa to win 3 0. He's watching us from the Faroe Islands. Well, in Powell, Paul, sorry if I've butchered your name. I do apologise. Tony Cashin says, I love this podcast content. You should be very proud. Please keep going. We will do so. We'll do it for you, Tony, even if we're not doing it for for, for anyone else. Uh, what else have we got here? We've got Matthew Mullins. Looking forward to the game. will be tough, but we're playing so well at the moment. I think we can win it. We have so much quality across the team, and we have a master tactician at the helm. I think it would be very difficult for anyone in the country, or the world even, to disagree with with that comment there that you that you... You've made, Matthew. Again, we don't do score predictions anymore. And Villa keep churning out the results, so we'll continue to not do the score predictions. But Dave Red, I'm looking for a, a key man in this game for you.
1: Key man's going to be Matty Cash going back to his going back to his former club. Um, I think the Nottingham Forest fans still love him yep. uh, for what he he gave them in a Nottingham Forest shirt. I think he'll enjoy going back there. He'll enjoy the atmosphere. He'll know exactly what to expect. And uh, wherever, kind of, whatever position he's playing. At the weekend, he'll be uh, he'll be the key man for Villa.
0: Yep, I chose the key man as Emmy Martinez last week, and he scored nine goals. goal. So that was a brilliant pick <laughs> from <for> me. <laughs> <laughs> and he did go on. He did go on to win best goalkeeper in the world. So uh, you know, it was uh it was one that game didn't transpire against losing as I as I thought it would. I thought he might have to make and, a big save at a crucial and on time. on the pod
1: on the pod <clears> last <throat> week, I said I'd love us to keep a clean sheet, <laughs> and then it was Which just a comedy goal. A comedy yeah, impo- goal at the end.
0: Impossible. Ezri Consa didn't fancy the clean sheet, <laughs> did he, when he, uh, when he when he not knocked not that header back? I'm gonna I was gonna actually gonna pick Matty Cash as as well, because wherever he plays, whether it be at right back or whether it be at right midfield, I think he'll be integral to what Villa do going forward. And he I think he's really been good this season, Matty Cash actually. I think he's he's been brilliant. And you know, I've got to give some credit to Luca Dean. As, as well, I was critical of him at the start of the season with some of the goals we conceded and, and some of his defending. But I think as the season's gone on, he's playing every week. He's he's getting in his rhythm. He's been a really effective player. I think both full-backs have, have been really good over the last month or so, Matty Cash and, and Luca Day. So, so hats on to both of them Hats off even, not hats on. Hats off to both of them and hopefully they continue the four on Sunday. Thanks ever so much to those that have joined us in the live chat and and had a little chat with us. We we do appreciate it. And thanks to everyone that will go on and watch the show as well. Wherever you are taking in the show, whether it be via video on YouTube or audio, wherever you get your podcast, just do all the nice things for us that you can do. Liking, commenting, uh, subscribing. Yeah, all those good things. If you could do that for us, it would would really, really help us. We didn't hit the likes target of, of 500. In the, in the last video, so I'll set a slightly lower one of 400. If you're watching now, it's very easy just to just to tap the, the thumbs up button, do that for us, give us a like, and we'll aim for 400 likes. Greg and myself will be back next week with some content, and then, of course, Dave and I will preview. The, oh, no, we've got a European game next week. I'm going to try and do something around that as well. If, if we can, we'll, we'll try and get some content up on the channel. Thanks for all the support. Do all the stuff that I've just mentioned. Have a great weekend, and up the villa.